Tonight, we welcome Buck Thrifty to the stage at the Phoenix Theater. This is a band that is equal parts folk, blues, punk, and swing. They are currently celebrating the release of their new full-length LP, The Slacktivist. This is an album that is rich both in music and in message. Tonight, we'll join in the celebration of this project and get to know these folks and their philosophies. Please welcome to the program the very eclectic Buck Thrifty. Buck Thrifty. Thank you so much. An Thank absolute you. pleasure to be here on stage with Jim and Tom. My God, you got As it. The, uh, yeah. You know the intro song, it really hooked me in. What can I say? It stuck with us. Let's do a little PR here. The new album is completed. It's The Slacktivist, and it is a sassy, gritty, swinging album that is full of attitude in the words of your guys's uh, online presence. And you guys talk about how this is the fool's chaotic journey through passion, vice, apathy, inspiration, and redemption. Uh, I really, really love that you are on the show right now because a lot of bands that come on, we love them dearly, but it's not exactly clear entirely what the songs are about. These are songs on this album with an absolute message. Mm -hmm. I certainly like to think so. And and it's sure good hearing you say that. Yeah. I mean, some some are like really, really pointed and and some are a little broader. and I don't know, is there anyone that you want to start on? Yeah, I was going to mention, if you guys were hoping to get the gig, you're probably not going to be, they're not going to be buying your tune to be the theme song for the Smart Train. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably not. And let's say we got some kids listening in Nebraska. They have no idea what the Smart Train the is. Tom, what is, the, what is the Smart Train? Tom? Well, you know, the Smart Train is uh, something that if, we were, if, if Sonoma County was going to do it, we should have done it 30 years ago when we decided not to vote BART into the North Bay. BART is Bay Area. Rapid Transit. It came to a vote, boy, I think back in the 80s, and uh, it, it got voted out of Sonoma County. We decided we would not spend the money to do that. We did know that it was going to allow for a lot more commuter growth and, and to, uh, allow this to turn into much more of a, a bedroom community. And, and uh, for me, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I... I believe that Petaluma and Santa Rosa would all stay small forever and uh, and that was not going to be anyway so instead of being wise about our growth uh, we were selfish and we voted that thing down and now we're suffering so what we've come up with is the idea for the smart train which is going to be a very expensive train and for I think $18 or or more you can actually catch the train in Santa Rosa and drive it to Larkspur and home again now mm-hmm. There's a deal. <laughs> there's your worker's commute. There, there's a yeah. commute. And Jay, you're the song or the lyrics writer on a lot of these songs? Um, no, that, that's not true. It's okay. very uh, lyrically collaborative across the board. But for the most part, I would, I would say that whoever's currently singing the tune is probably the person who did the bulk of the work on the lyrics. Uh, that's, that's good. That's good information. For yeah. some reason, I just assumed that mm-hmm. you were writing a lot of them. Oh, so that's cool. Well, yeah, it's 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 a huge collaboration, really, musically, lyrically, all through and through. Everyone's bringing what they're bringing. And who wrote the lyrics for this song primarily? This was a collaboration between Corwin and Tyler. Yeah, uh, we were uh, we were inspired by in, by Jay and wrote a, a bulk of the lyrics in the car, at a coffee shop, and, like, and had a, a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just we were yeah. just spitting off I- mm-hmm. ideas inspired by. Uh, uh, 
just what Jay was talking about. Mm-hmm. So obviously you view this as an, a, a thing of inequity. You think that it is mm-hmm. unfair. You think, I mean. Yeah, that's coming from me. I, I grew up in this county. It's my home county. I grew up very poor in this county. I grew up in very poor neighborhoods and very rich towns, you know, and that's, that's a rough thing to witness is like directly being involved in the privilege battle on a daily basis. And having this train come in, which for musicians specifically could have been such a resource. If you think about it, this would have allowed us to busk in the city on the daily and then come home. And the returns difference on that and the sponsored art community that would have risen from that would have been unbelievable. But instead, we're completely shut out of using this resource as a commuter resource, which is what it was patented to us as. And now only only the upper crust can afford to ride it. And it only acts as like a tourist attraction. It doesn't even get you all the way to the city. It's an absurdity. It's a farce. It's a waste of tax dollars. And it it makes this poor kid pretty mad. Yeah, we're going to be paying for it for another 50 years. probably. <laughs> but as you go through this album, you, you know, when we'll go through it. But I mean, there's there's frustration. There's there's some criticism of how people channel like their good intentions and and kind of where it kind of peters off. I mean, there's. There's a lot of conflicting feelings, it's, it seems, throughout the lyrics of this. And and uh, the only thing I can say about it was I was having a conversation with your bandmate, Jesse Shantor, after the uh, last record store uh, show, and I'm pointing to Taylor for audio listeners. Hello, good morning. And we were just talking about a lot of this stuff. And um, he used a phrase that's really stuck with me, which is, there are so many layers of truth. You know, and, and, and one of the hardest things for especially like a young activist is really wanting to find that like black and white, you are bad and you are good and out with the bad and in with the good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like it's God, there's so many layers, you know, I mean, it's not it's not a belief of mine that people can be good or bad because good and bad are fairly arbitrary. It's more like we can do things that can be construed as good or bad. Like our actions are capable of having good or bad qualified connotations. But we ourselves are not that. And I think that's part of the point of the slacktivist at its core, you know, is making fun of ourselves and being self-aware that we are not on a righteous high horse here. You know, we are not declaring ourselves moral victors. There's no battle. This is all of us trying to educate each other to a superior level of living. Let us grow as a community. Let us grow consciously. I appreciate that you both hit the nail on the head with some lyrical content and you are a little bit more vague about it. And that's, I mean, that's good art, you know. Uh, Sometimes letting people interpret it is fun. But then there's also songs like Pressing Share. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about, let's let the band talk about Pressing Share because Pressing Share speaks to me on a very, very deep level. Mm -hmm. If I could set the stage for a moment, I want to hand it over Corwin to do most of the talking. But we had had just had a crazy long day of recording. Tensions were high. You know, we had had a couple of curveballs to deal with. Everyone had gone to bed. <laughs> and then this, this creature of the night in the forest, Corwin Zeekly, just starts hammering away. And what was going through your head, Corwin? What happened? Well, um, one thought was that crap there needs to be something to kind of like tie the album together a little bit more <laughs> between like railroad riot and the rest of it and then the other thought is like oh god i need to write a song of mine that buck thrifty can play that isn't like too jazzy <laughs> so i i was up at like till two three in the morning working on this tune and just like sending it through drafts and then i just kind of had it the next morning <laughs> to play for them but my thought on it was that and how it applies to the slacktivists that we all a lot of people in our generation care a lot about social and political justice and doing right by the world and the people in it 
but so few of us go to the actual extent to create any positive change other than the propagation of information and uh, telling people and spreading the word. Instead of actually going out and doing anything about it, you just tell people about it, who continue to tell people about it, and then everybody knows, but nobody actually does anything. And also preaching to the choir a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the telling is happening to a lot of the people who are already aware of you're it. You're telling the people you are connected with on social media who are the ones you're in the same mindset and demographic as who are already aware of the same issue because the people that, act, that you talk to word of mouth are the ones who are on the same wavelength of you, uh, of you already. And so it's not getting the information out to any useful place that it's already not reaching. And it's definitely not actually creating any positive change. And yeah, I understand how for some people they like have disability or don't have time and care and that's what they can do in doing their part. But many of us actually think we're contributing something important and positive just by sitting on the internet and spreading information around when we're actually just looking at a computer screen and not getting anything done. The nicest criticism I can say about people of my generation as well as your generation and everyone in between, we're the same generation, but there's an age gap, is that um, I thought about this a lot because there's no real nice way to say it. It's that I think they would be very poor. Tom's backing up. He's afraid of what I'm going to oh, say. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think that uh, a lot of these folks who are extremely well-intentioned and I, and I celebrate and applaud them for caring. But I think they would often be very poor generals in a war. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I think that they use their resources poorly, and I think that they choose their battles poorly some of the time. And I feel like, you know, obviously we all want to affect change and make a difference, but oftentimes I just I see this peter out. You know, I see a lot of energy being expended into, let's say, a Facebook thread chat or fight, you know? And it's just like, ugh. You know, and then that sort of vitriol between essentially allies um, causes other people to of, of a like mind and of a similar sentiment to kind of back off and be like, I don't even want to step into that. So <laughs> it's just it's tough. And I don't have the answer. I mean, I would say that going to a place where everybody doesn't generally agree with you and trying to affect change there would probably be mm -hmm. a good start. I would say running for positions of government that are not just, you know, not, first of all, not just paying attention to the highest office, paying attention to every single thing on the ballot, mm -hmm. you know, school boards and city government and stuff. That, and then also inserting yourself in that process. I mean, those are like action-based things, but that also requires rerouting your entire life. So it's not easy. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> They're good thoughts, you know, and I definitely don't have an, an, well, the answer in any way, shape, or form. I hardly have an answer. But one way to deal with that, I think, is to address, to address the symptom, I think, that perhaps we're too addicted to being right in Western culture. You know, like, we, we have such a fascination with being correct. We overcommit so hard to our perspectives. <sighs> Um, you know, perhaps <laughs> through a photographic lens with which we might be caught. Ooh, I don't know. Don't what? You, what? You dare. Like, oh, oh, what's references? Oh, oh we'll, um, get yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Oh, we'll yeah. get there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so easy to commit to being right because you feel like you're defending a correct thing and that's the only way to support it. But you know, in going out and being in a room of people that you disagree with, you have to realize that like our perceptions of what being right are, are fundamentally off base. And we don't really need to do that in modern culture. Like, you know, we have ways of communication because of the internet where we can just sit in circles and pat each other on the back. You know, there's the blue Facebook and the red Facebook, they say. And, like, it's really interesting to me that the information doesn't diffuse more. And I think it just comes from, like, a simple ability 
we need to be able to acknowledge where we're wrong and be okay with that. We shuffle away from being wrong. We make so many excuses. We shuffle it under the rug so readily, sweep it all away. Like, but if we, if we're just ready to be present to ourselves being wrong and have that not be a disaster, I think we could all go so much further. I agree. And it's also to to your point and to my point, it's not black and white. It's like, Never. you know, you may, you may be right about an aspect of this, but you also may be wrong while being right. <laughs> Almost guaranteed. <laughs> you know, I'm so wrong. Very few mm. things are not you specifically. You know what I mean? Well, but I am. A person. <laughs> There's yeah. so many things to cover, but I think it's important that we're wrong sometimes because it gives us that opportunity to grow. <clears throat> Excuse me, as, as a whole community. And those are my two cents on the matter. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a, a constant theme in between a lot of the music. At least a lot of the lyrics that I've written are are more sarcastic than they would be any, like songs like uh, Escapist, and I wrote the lyrics to the song Craven, and uh, Surfacer, all these songs may sound like they're glorifying um, some sort of aspect of partying, skimming uh, surface encounters with people, being more intimate than you should be, uh, or going too far off the deep end with drugs and alcohol. All of them may, at one time that they're glorifying it, at the same time they're saying, this is not very good for me, and I know it. Tom, you had a really good question about Craven, which is a song that you wrote a lot of lyrics of. Yeah, yeah it was Craven. Um, so there's a line in there, uh, something to the effect of those things that, uh, that I've been trained to love. Mm-hmm. Money, so, sex, and drugs. Money, sex, the and things drugs. Those I've things I've been trained to love. Trained so to love. my question, when I always hear a thing like that, because I'm big on, on that pronoun, I, mm-hmm. who trained you to love? Uh, I would say my surroundings immediately, mainly media, uh, all the TV. I mean, so many parents just put their kids in front of the TV without a second thought to it to watch these kids shows that when the advertisements come on, that is what they are selling all the time, that these people are not happy without, uh, without beautiful people on their arms or without the right type of alcohol or without the right, the, the right something to buy to, to fill whatever hole they need in their lives. We're constantly told that we have a hole in our lives and that we need to buy to, to, to fill it. Still feels like there's too many holes in my safety net. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, 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 there's always going to be holes in the safety net. <laughs> yeah. And we're not taught that that's okay. We're, we're taught that we just need to keep on buying and buying and buying because it's a society we live in. Consume. And the system. I, th- I think my favorite part of that song is, what is success? Have I made it yet? Uh, the other thing that song speaks to me about is purpose. I feel like purpose, and I'm 32 years old, and I feel like purpose and awareness are like the two most important things. Uh-huh. And uh, awareness ties into purpose because you got to be aware of what your purpose is. And I've seen people fall off the deep end the most who I've been close to when they lose that sense of purpose, when they lose uh-huh. that sense of why. But you know it. Like, you know, one, one knows if they feel a sense of purpose in, in a particular chapter in their life, and one also knows if they feel very rudderless. I mean, purpose is your, uh, your compass, which sends you in the direction. And when you don't have it, you just, you just float aimlessly. It's tough. Jay, you're leaning in. You're leaning in, Jay. I'm thinking about my words carefully. <laughs> um, it's... I don't want to speak to other people's experiences at all, but I've had some rudderless times, and I know that my times now where the rudder is heavily in the water in the thick of the storm, you know, just plowing through it, um, I needed the time without a rudder in order to get to the time with a rudder. Like, my time now would not be nearly as motivated if I hadn't felt the pain of apathy, you know? Like, that's pretty immediately relevant to why I function. So, 
I just want to give a lot of credence to like how valuable those painful times of like solemn apathy can be. Yeah, or solemn despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk about their deep dark despair for <laughs> Existence is That's album too. I think in a rudderless state is when I write my best music personally. I've seen it. Mm. <laughs> That's true. They say that many artists, when they get more comfortable uh, and their rudder's deeply in the water, um, the art sometimes suffers. It's too easy. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. too easy. We've got to make things hard. Yeah. I've got to be in pain. Well, pain pain isn't rudderless. Pain is like a definitive rudder. Mm. Your rudder being faced away from the pain. And (laughs) (laughs) and then then you ride about said pain to make your ship go faster to put them into the sail. The trick in life is making progress while maintaining some discomfort, but not enough discomfort to destroy you. But just enough to make good stuff. To grow. Mm -hmm. If you're not a little scared, you're probably not doing the right thing. That's true. That's you're not learning if true. you're not uncomfortable. We're talk- yeah. Go ahead. I think I, I want to talk for a second more about fear. I, I think it's such an excellent motivator. I think it's the most important motivator. You know, that moment, you know, like we were talking about just a second ago, where that despair hits you, like that set in of fear is the first indicator of what you need to do, you know, because it shows you that it's important to you. It's where your natural intrinsic value is. If you can't control your emotional reaction to it, then you got to trust it. Like, oh. Ooh, that's so stimulating. But that can be used against you, and we're seeing that a lot this year. In in 2016, fear is driving this nation, and, and uh, if you're not careful about how you let that fear drive you, you can find yourself with Donald Trump as the president. For me personally, and again, I can only speak for myself. I'm pretty sure I said that like as soon as I started talking about fear. Yeah. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I can trace where my fear is coming from, see where the core of the motivation is, you know, where the noun or verb in my life that is inspiring this emotion is, you know, engage that, figure out why I'm reacting to it and use it as a voice of positive growth. You know, that's the only thing I can really do is just take what hurts me and let it make me grow. And yeah, fear, fear is such a great instance in just an immediate reaction to whatever's happening. I know that it's important to me as soon as I'm afraid. It doesn't need, mean I need to be rash, you know. <laughs> it just means it's important to me and I should give it space. I feel like Baby Doll kind of belongs in that conversation a, l- a lot of it, too. Let's talk about um, Baby Doll instead. Go ahead. Because that really has a lot to do with letting the fear deter you and running away from it and staying inactive and not taking opportunities out of fear and not making the call and just kind of sitting around waiting and that that gets you nowhere you know and it's a it's a long lesson to learn and uh and that's kind of what baby doll is addressing is kind of like is getting past letting the fear uh make you run and you know or make you inactive is is basically you know the yeah to not let that apathy control you to the point that everything disappears around you and there's like nothing left <laughs> i think i think baby doll is one of my favorite tunes on the album by far i'm really happy that it's track number one because it kind of starts off that narrative with having like an immediate two characters presented by the lyrics. There's the person who's calling out, baby doll, you've got to make that call. Hurry up now, there's no time to stall. 
and like the pain of it comes through for me really like the indication that this person isn't rising to the occasion of being decisive of making calls of trusting themselves like as the tune picks up pace it gets more frantic it gets faster you know and harder and crunchier and uh like just that's such a that's such a strong indication of character to me like um how it comes across for me when i hear it when you sing it tyler thank you for having an excellent voice on that tune um and such great lyrical writing which i had nothing to do with um but yeah it just it really moves me that you're able to paint the separation feelings of that of being able to be someone who's able to make the call and be in a situation where you're so exacerbated by the people who are unable to rise to that occasion so the strange thing about those two characters that you're talking about is they're both me because it's written in the second person and the first person basically at the same time uh so you know while i was thinking about it uh, i was thinking of a separate object of the source to be written to while i was writing it it was definitely written at myself because the things that i would be frustrated in in someone else are i'm mostly frustrated in because i share those same exact traits and it frustrates me you can't see flaws you don't have yeah basically this whole album is is a uh, is it feels like a call a call to action uh and as i was listening to it um i'm in reading the lyrics along uh because uh jim actually wrote them down for me <laughs> lyrics mean so much for me and and uh this was a busy weekend i didn't have time to really get to it uh, so I Jim transcribed your whole album. Uh-huh. So, well, I'm reading the lyrics along with this. I did because because Tom Tom, Tom is at his best when he spends some time with the lyrics. Yeah, I love lyrics, uh, and uh, oftentimes are our band camps, and uh, and there was not one on this one. Yeah, which mm. you guys should do uh, band camp. They don't need it anymore. I, I well, transcribed no, the lyrics. Not for me. But, uh, this album, for the first quick listen, you're you're listening to the instrumentation, you're listening to the way you guys are playing, you're listening to the animation in, in your performance, and you're thinking this is kind of a really cool dancey bluesy album when in fact it's more of a clarion and you've got a lot of uh, a, a lot of soul searching and a lot of call to action but as i'm listening to this and i even told jim i go jim which one of these guys is writing these lyrics because it sounded like it was all coming from the same voice mm-hmm. and i'm sitting around a table with seven different people and i'm realizing oh my god you guys wrote this all singularly and together and it comes across as one voice and i find that an incredible piece of art. I'm really impressed. And I didn't learn this until this conversation. It just blows me away to hear that. You know, I just feel like it's the hugest pat on our back. It's, as I was talking about earlier, like, not only do I want this to be, like, a, like, multiply musically ethical, uh, ethnical project, you know, I don't want us just pulling from, like, jazz styles and southern styles and swing styles and blues styles. Like Got some Latin what, beat in there. Right? Some Latin, like, it's all over the place. But at the same time, like, each person in the brand in the band is bringing something so dynamically specific from their musical background, and we use the shared space to come of one voice. Yeah. And it's it's been my hope from the get go that in bringing all these styles together, we also respect everyone as equal creators. Each voice is an equal contribution. We're all making it together. We're all shaping the dynamic curve. Everyone, every show is shaping the dynamic curve, and it's so much listening. It's one of the most listening oriented bands I've I've yeah. ever had the pleasure of playing with i absolutely love him for it and i wouldn't have it any other way you know i don't i don't want to be at the front writing all the lyrics in the music that's not what it's about to me you know it's not about my truth it's not about my photographic lens it's about what we can picture when we put it all together 
uh, you kind of went like this with your hands, uh, and if you're listening, he, you know, sort of like the evil, sort of maniacal <laughs> thing that bad guys do. Fingers. Yeah, um, <laughs> bad people do, and and so um, he used, when he used the phrase clarion call, uh, was there a reason for that? It, did that resonate with you? I mean, it just. Uh, the entire string of comments was making me feel it, it was a conscious effort of mine you know I, I worked very consciously hard I was like hey I want to do this and now I'm listening to Tom be like hey you did all this and I'm like that's so rewarding the plans worked yay like you know it just it feels really good and so like it got my diabolical scheming hands out <laughs> but it, it's it's really interesting how much of this scheme was also very much unschemed. Oh like Lord. the the writing of these songs come from so many Letterless. different uh yeah, very much so. Like there's there's things that I wrote before Buck Thrifty was formed, there was things that Michael wrote before Buck Thrifty was formed, there was things that we wrote uh as as a trio, there's things that we wrote as we, as we became a bigger band and there's a couple of songs that we wrote in the studio. And, uh, you know, these, we, we like, everything came, coalesced in such a, a weirdly strange way because we had all these songs and it's like, these are the songs that we're ready to record. And that's basically why we had that set list. And as we started to record it and started to explore the content that we'd put in our, uh, you know, in our own laps and started sifting through it as, as a collective, we realized, okay, there's this story that's, that's evolving out of it. It's it's kind of almost writing itself out of stuff that we already wrote, and it becomes this strange kind of uh, unfolding of a fool's journey of of self reflection and whatever else is happening in there. But it was uh, our 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 plan just kind of stumbled out of our brains and conversations mm. and and you know became very intentional, but it was unintentional for it to be that in- intentional, and that's the weird thing about it. It's the happiest accident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it, was really, it was really incredible, because yeah, I had these goals set out of making you know, this, this multicultural project that's singing like, relevant things to what we're doing today and what we're feeling now, you know, and have it be really personal and heartfelt, not about broad sweeping generalities, but about us, about me and you. You know, that was really important to me. And then as we're recording it, like, I can't remember who was up that night. It was such a sleepless blur. But we just started talking about each of the songs. And I like, that was me. Was it just the two it of us? It was just us. <laughs> Baby. Wait, you told us a story the next morning. The next yeah. morning. Yeah, you told me right? the story like, as well. We, like, Tyler wrote and I these songs up, into like, a story, like, in this sleepless haze yeah, of, like, <laughs> like, stress and sweat and yeah, whatever. Else. Right? You know, just out in the middle of the night, having our smokes, looking at this, being, no, 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 put this over here, and then this happens here. Because we were organizing the set list, and mm-hmm. we started watching it turn into a yeah. story in mm-hmm. front of our eyes. So we're frazzled, we're tired, it's the middle of the night, and Tyler and I are trying to figure out just the order of the songs for the album and it, it it to us it it just for me at least it felt like the hardest thing it was just putting songs in order but like i was so overwhelmed by how many <laughs> things we had had to deal with perfect. already that like we were freaking out and like anxiety sleepless me is sitting there looking at the That's sheet when of you paper, the like best. twitching <laughs> and yeah it's usually when i work the best is when i'm twitching and <laughs> yeah tortured. we we started just building a narrative Tyler and I did putting the songs in order starting with baby doll which had that like separation feeling that we kind of talked about about being able to like can you rise to the occasion or can you not are you going to let yourself you know and um, that that moves into surfacer which I think is an excellent second tune because it calls back to that character that didn't make the call in my opinion it changes voices from Tyler's voice to Michael's voice and then it's a song about not going deep enough about not reaching past about you know only skimming on the surface 
and I enjoyed having that kind of like sassy, dancey beat to it right after having a song that the implication of which is you probably shouldn't be doing that, you know, and then we just dive right into it. We're like, no, nah, we're going to do it. <laughs> Um, and, and I also feel like that then um, you get an insight into that character. Why is this person being this way? Why do they have like this intimacy barrier? And then you have Forever come after that and Forever. Do you want to talk a little bit about Forever? Uh, there's not too much to talk about Forever, uh, except that nothing lasts that long ever. <laughs> well, I think it's a pretty straightforward anti-love song about uh, someone who's just been scarred by too deep of a relationship mm-hmm. or I mean just can't let go yeah is afraid of being alone uh, yeah mm-hmm. we're, all, we're all alone I know, but we're so afraid of it. <laughs> and we make such we make such questionable decisions sometimes in our fear of loneliness. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then we write songs called Forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so you have Tyler's character who is singing about making the call and then Surfacer. And then Forever, you get an insight into the Surfacer's character. And then Tyler's voice comes back in Been There. And do you want to talk about Been There at all? We didn't get that one recorded today, but it's one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it was uh Well, it's a song written after a breakup and, um, you know, it's as many songs are, it's it's essentially an emotional distillation of just like a certain feeling that came out of the end of a relationship of uh, trying to support somebody and not being up to it anymore and just not uh, just kind of, I don't know, collapsing under under that weight, whether, you know, whether that's right or wrong, just feeling like like I've been there and I don't, I don't know, but really, really still wanting to be able to be there as as hard as you can, um, but uh, but just also so sad about it. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a song. It's got that nice <laughs> that nice slow drive to it, and those first words just kick my ass every time. Oh, they wreck me. I've been the floor that you stand upon, and I don't want to drop you, but I'm tired of being walked on it just kills me like i hear that and like it doesn't matter how i started the song after i hear hear those words i'm finishing it on the right page like i'm with tyler says that i'm just like okay (laughs) feelings time now (laughs) the crazy thing about affairs of the heart is they jam the radar completely. Mm. Mm. So very much in the same way that uh, a, a drug or alcohol addiction does. It's like the, the thing that you rely on, which is you know your, your intuition, your sense of like, this is the right direction. Um, those things that I just mentioned, uh, a, 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 fair, you know, a, a romance gone wrong or, or some substance that's kind of gone a little too far, um, you just can't listen to that intuition anymore because your intuition is it's been jammed and you kind of have to go on like muscle memory and like you're f- essentially you're feeling around in the dark yeah. trying to find the door out of this disaster that you've walked into. <laughs> Sometimes it takes years. You know, and it's funny. It's like we've tapped on the two extremes of that one scale, you know, apathy and obsession. Yeah. You know, wh- wh- where do you fall in between? And sometimes it takes years, but for us, it took 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And anybody out there listening, you too can find the way (laughs) with Buck Thrifty's new album. But we do need to go through this this album. We're not done completely yet. Yeah, so, I mean, and Been There to Me offers up another dialogue where, A, at once it's addressing that partner, but also in the context of where it falls in the album, it's almost like Tyler's character Mm. is readdressing Michael's character as well Mm. and looking at Surfacer and forever and all of those feelings therein and being like 
I've been through that and I see where you're at, but like in the same way that I wasn't there for my partner in this relationship ending, I don't know if I can be there for you if you're going to continue to follow this path. Like you need to get through this page, you know, and like it calls these two characters in the album like into this, like not a confrontation, but at least like an opportunity to rise above. And that's really for me part of the fool's journey because the song after that is called Escapist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Um, part, part of the repetition in, in I've Been There is just it's an evolution of the meaning, too, because it's like it's it's relating <laughs> to the person that you're talking to because I've been there. Like, I've been there and I've been there for you. So it's, it, it, it's not, it, it doesn't necessarily come across in the inflection, but I, I like to think of it that, it, it, uh, that it, it sort of reduces the distance between the speaker and the, and the listener in that song, mm-hmm. or at least I hope so. And it's musically quite different from everything in the album too. Totally. I think, I don't know if Tyler meant that when he wrote it, but it is a very, Harmonically and melodically, it's a very nostalgic song, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it yeah. it kind of fits in that way in the album. I think mm-hmm. it was one of the first originals of Tyler's yeah. that I ever heard, and mm-hmm. it was one of the songs that I was like, I need to have a band with this kid. <laughs> <laughs> God, it feels so good to be an escapist. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's really let's does. share some uh, let's share it some has. thoughts, Michael Fierro. Uh, I can only speak for myself. But I know a lot of people go through bouts of escapism, and one of the most obvious ones is through partying, uh, which is what the majority of this song is about. Um, Just sort of reckless abandon, but awareness, I would like to think also of what you're doing to yourself. And in that sort of sense, it it puts a negative connotation on it all. Uh, what, uh, what What are the words to the lyrics? I wish every night could be like this, head thick with blissful ignorance. I can't stop and I don't care what I've missed because it feels so good to be an escapist. God, it feels so good to be <laughs> God, an escapist. God, it feels so good to be an escapist. <laughs> oh, Ooh. God. Yeah, it, feel, it feels great, but not n- never for very long. <laughs> Short-term solutions to long-term problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, gotta love it, but God, it does, it's not good for me. So many ways to be an escapist, though. I've definitely fallen to video games and media as just like a pastime every day, all day, just run away from the world into consumable media, well, which is like another angle of that. But that's thing. what's created a show. Uh, a lot of your audience are coming to do exactly that. You guys have a wonderful video where you're playing a house show, and those people are all escaping into you at that moment. God only knows, as you see people just freaking out around you, it's a great video. How many of them are, are escaping, and what are they escaping? Mm-hmm. But they get mm-hmm. 45 minutes to be a part of something different and to step into something that might, you know, uh, give them a minute uh, mm-hmm. of uh, respite. And also maybe won't be as destructive to them in their escapism mm, yes. as perhaps the yes. other. That's, That's a healthier That's alternative. A oh, yeah. That's yep. a huge key. Absolutely. Right and to make there. you kind of think about these things while you're escaping, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Escapism, oftentimes it's discussed and sort of criticized, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we need to confront our, 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 our problems, our fears, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue maybe aren't we all just kind of be an escapist till we die yes i would say i kind of argue that with my verse in that song in a way Mm -hmm. because like i introduce it with talking about like be money gonna take the flow the floor god damn it that sounded weird (laughs) (laughs) because the stage is the only place to go to lose yourself you know like being on this stage and performing Mm -hmm. yeah it feels like 
not a negative form of escapism, but a really mm-hmm. powerful form of escapism of, of getting out of these ordinary rhythms of life that we've been taught are just what we're supposed to repeat over and over again. And, and instead taking ourselves to this other world where we can like create things anew. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, totally. absolutely. As a musician, I'm an escapist, you know, and, and again, yeah, it, it walks that line of obsession and apathy. Mm-hmm. You know, at what point is your escapism becoming destructive? And Where, I think that's all you have to ask yourself. Are you netting fewer hurts? You know, layers of, tr- layers of truth. Are you choosing layers the best, worst truth. path? Yeah. Uh-huh. Music's exactly. probably the worst path because it's like, I mean, it's such a bad form of escapism that you're going to be poor for your entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> and stuff or, like analyzing yourself to death to try to write songs. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty destructive obsession. Y'all are sick. We <laughs> <laughs> need help. A lot of it. Uh, my God, though, we're only at track number five when oh, we're going through the awesome. album. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, escapism, you know, and I think that's part of the point we make. Like, B-Money comes in. B-Money's character gets introduced, by the way. Let's, let's not let that go unnoticed. Um, this new character comes in and presents the concept that maybe you can embrace the darkness of yourself and not be destroyed by it. Maybe it could be a good thing. Maybe it's just part of you. Uh, if you abuse it, though, if you don't take the opportunity uh, to healthily engage your darker side, uh, you're probably going to start craving things or perhaps be a little bit craven in your pursuits. We have a bit of a double entendre with that title name mm-hmm. because it is about craving chemicals, but it's spelt craven as in someone who's cowardly. Um, and that cowardice comes from the inability to confront that darker side of yourself, embrace it and make it a healthy thing. Um, the song's pretty literal. I don't know how much we need to talk about it. Money, sex, and drugs are the things you're yeah. trained to love. You know, your image ever-changing. And it just goes deeper into that until the very end when it's like, oh, shit, where were my money, sex, and drugs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the point where it starts to kind of turn around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I especially like the um, the transition from escapist to Craven yeah. as being uh, just unconscious partying to conscious partying. Suddenly mm-hmm. realizing why you like the things you do. And why you do them so bad, and that's the first step to changing mm. your habits about things. Yeah, just being aware that and consciousness. Transition. The song after that, you know, is photographic lens. Perspective um, change. Yeah, mm. it's it's Open about it breaking. Yeah, it's about breaking out of that position of being dependent upon these releases, and instead, you know, finding a place where you can like better evaluate yourself. I don't know if either of our sweet lyricists have anything else to say about photographic lens. Something you just got to sit with, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, just breaking. Uh, we all we all have tunnel vision, I think, is what the the heart of the song is. All of us have a photo. We all see the world through a photographic lens because we're all individuals. We can't even help that. It's just part of our nature. Uh, so just doing what we can to broaden our perspective every single day. Because we all think we're open-minded and we all try to be as open-minded, but we can always be more so. You can um, always widen the lens and see more of the bigger picture and see what you could do to help. Or maybe just point your very tunnel vision lens at a more diverse collection of things. As you know, like you can you can only does that not make any sense? Well, it, it does like okay. in a physics sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, was, I was thinking of it yeah. metaphorically myself. Okay. But yeah. Um, just yeah. Expand. Well just saying that you can only it you can only really focus on so much at once, you know. Mm. So creating a, a a diversity of what you absorb uh, even if you can't see more at once, you can see more individual pictures overall and mm. get a larger perspective out of those small snapshots of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Can I speak to that in a musical sense? I feel like in this song, we have a lot of time to reflect on just mm-hmm. everything that happened mm-hmm. in the back of the album because there's so much space that's involved. There's, we take a break pretty much like after every verse, essentially. So yeah. we get more and more things to reflect upon throughout the tune. I think that's a really beautiful thing. It feels really good. It's like the gaps in between pictures. Yeah, you get to look at each new picture and be like, oh, wow. Oh, okay, and then here's the next one. And this is a memory I had. And then, oh, wow, this time fucking sucked. And then <laughs> <laughs> get to the end, you just feel kind of, you feel kind of sated, but also a little bit morose because you realize all of what happened before was you kind of harming yourself. And you just say, wow, crap. Okay. <laughs> and then we move on to the next fires, song. Our <laughs> fickle friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is true. Great tune. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm ready to move on to sweating. Uh-huh. Y'all are. Mm-hmm. Um, no sweat. <laughs> I think it's cute much. because, again, musically, I, I don't want to get buried in too much musical technicality here, but we start in a similar key um, to what photographic lens is in, but it's just a little bit sadder and it just slides down a little bit sloppily mm-hmm. and it gets a little bit deranged. And I love, I love that transition so much into sweating because it it challenges the idea that just thinking about something in a better way can make it better, you know, because you can alter your perspective. You can shift your vision. You can expand what you're seeing. You know, you can change your thoughts, but at the end of the day, it's still just a biased form of reality. So how, how anchored in reality are you really just by making it sound better to yourself? Like that's great. Pat yourself on the back, move right along. Um, <laughs> I thought about things today. Yay. Um, so, so yeah, sweating lyrically, it's, it's pretty metaphorical. It's not too like specific to the situation, but it challenges this idea of like, um, like Tyler's character comes back and starts singing at Michael, and like right off the bat, the lyrics are so confronty. Michael like chants back at Tyler, "My friend," oh. and I was like, "That's what I used to call you way back in the day." And it's just like so. Damn. Oh, I love it. I love the back and forth. I, it, it amuses me. Um, and I, and I love that idea it carries across of like, you've got to sweat it out. There's more that you've got to do. You know, you can't just be sitting in your bird's nest, putting yourself to the test, taking the best and leaving the rest, which to me means that you can't, you can't just alter the facts of what happened. You need to commit to something outside of your own like little bird's nest. Um, you need to actually affect some real change. You need to sweat it out. Um, but then at the same time, on the other side of that same meeting, it's kind of about sweating the small stuff and getting all worked up about it's like you know you, there's it's one of those interesting songs that, or, that you can interpret in mm-hmm. in a couple of different ways because it's a really kind of a, a sassy and kind of a kind of a bitchy song really it's you know it's like just saying all these kind of like just like whoa whatever you suck kind of stuff <laughs> and, uh, but so there's it's yeah it's an interesting song mm-hmm. with with sides even though it's yeah it's, have you guys think, noticed have you ever written a tune that you thought meant something until someone else heard it and said well man like really? every time. That's just how songs work. I yeah. think. Yeah. So many um, I embrace the just how exactly what I convey convey will never perfectly translate. Maybe a couple people who've really you know who can totally relate, but there's always gonna be a bit of flexibility. I can get a yeah. broader point across, but mm-hmm. the nuances are always gonna be personal reflection. Mm-hmm. The next song is Pressing Share. Now, Tyler's been calling to Michael from one side, being like, but you need to do more. And then I come up and I start, like, explaining to him, yeah, it's like it's easier to tell people how we feel than to do something real. And then just start saying, posing the question that, are, are, are you saving the world by pressing share? Is that, is that what we're doing? And, like, saying it in a sarcastic tone. 
Um, we like to call ourselves activists, but we prefer TV in our spare time. And oh, just kind shit. of, instead of having, um, trying to motivate Michael, or the name, whatever the name of your character is. It could be me. <laughs> it could be Michael. Yeah. Michael is the, the Michael character. <laughs> but in Taylor Cuffey's body, yeah. uh, <laughs> our amazing B Money. On a cell phone. The album art. And Waiting for a train. Our uh, victim in it <laughs> is Taylor. I'm saving the world. Let me get my phone. Where's my phone? He's sitting under a tree. Um, but it's kind of a call to Michael's character to be like, well, I mean, it's good to be self-aware. Now are you going to do something with it? I also think it's really cute because if you look at where the backup vocals come in throughout the album, it also gets a little bit, it follows into this narrative a little bit more because the two primary voices on Pressing Share are Taylor and Corwin, mm -hmm. who are the supporting, the supporting vocalists for Escapist. <laughs> and so... Not like anybody would know. He so happened to be, well, so, so yeah, happened to be band It's like his chums who used to be Escapists with him are coming back now and being <laughs> like, like Michael, mm, you need to change up. your game too. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole, the whole group is like coming out to just kind of grill the Slacktivist. It's a roast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're here too. <laughs> Hi. And then the Slacktivist starts a riot. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get nasty with it. Which we discussed Railroad Riot, uh, oh, track oh. 10 of 11 of the mm -hmm. album. Uh, and so we've talked about specifically the events in Sonoma County that motivated that song, but zooming out to the album narrative, how does that mm -hmm. apply? Uh, to the album narrative, it kind of rests as this fusion point where all the voices are involved now. Everyone who sang, up, who sang back up on anything, we're all in a room singing, screaming, rather, the Railroad the Riot to get the, uh, together. In terms of the narrative, to bring it back to that, though, it's just all the characters coming together and finding a finite action that they can do together, something they have a direct authority over, something that, that matters to them. I mean, I remember at Railroad Square Music Festival, me personally as a real human being, not a character in a story, <laughs> looking at the fence on the tracks and looking at it and being like, yeah, but is this like still really like a railroad square music festival with the smart train coming through here? <laughs> like, is this <laughs> now that the rail's actually active? I feel like all the fascinating history and community is dead. Yeah. Like, I was angry that day. And that's like when the seeds of the song really started. So it, it was nice to have this grand coming together um, where all the characters are able to take an action that they feel positive about. That's like directly doing something. And for, for the characters in the story, it's getting mad and making a riot. For the character sitting at this table, it's getting mad and writing a song about a riot because we, <laughs> we, we, are, we are flimsy. So now we mm -hmm. are at the last song, Telephone. Mm, telephone. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Oh. Um, so I have a two-parter question for mm -hmm. you, and let's keep it on the band. Jim and Tom won't even chime in. Why is Telephone the last song, and what is the takeaway from this album? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think yeah. It deals a lot with the exact closing of Railroad Riot, so to tap on that just a tiny bit more. Um, we have these deranged hits that are all syncopated, and then they end halfway through the phrase the very last time we play it. And that's the ending not so well that you mentioned. Um, like, you know, it may have gotten a little bit violent, it may have gotten a little bit crazy. It didn't successfully turn out the way we thought, perhaps. Um, and I think Telephone kind of continues that idea. The epilogue for me is... Uh, telephone like the story ends with railroad riot and this is a reprise and the story ending is that one good action will not fix everything there's more work to do you need to measure the actions you're taking that you thought were done in good faith you know take the space to breathe about that telephone solidifies the deal for me 
by being a song about how new addictions creep in. This one isn't specific, you know, it's not like obvious. It's not a heroin addiction, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're out, like just, just completely destroyed on the streets, like whatever it may be. Um, like it's a telephone. It's a simple device. It's, it just kind of sneaks in one message at a time. And yet your dependency grows and grows and grows. And the tune dynamically picks up on that. I feel like the music really orchestrally follows the emotional development of that addiction. It just gets more intense and more intense and more intense. Um, and yeah, it's, it taps on the head that it's not what you're substituting with. It's the fact that you're substituting. You're creating layers of disassociation from reality with your escapism and your addiction and your romantic like codependencies. Whatever that may be, you're pushing yourself further away from what's actually happening. Let the things that you're doing be about getting more in touch with reality. You know, be closer to yourself. Be closer to your pains. Don't hide from them. Give them the space they need. You know, and that way you won't have a telephone addiction because you won't be wondering what to do with your anxiety. Tom, do you have any closing thoughts for this episode? <laughs> I've always hated the telephone. The no, funny I, little I, thing about the telephone, too, is just another reason why it's nice to have at the very end of the album is because it does bring it around full circle because the next yeah. lyrics that come up, if you were to listen to it twice in a row, it would end with telephone ring, 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 and then it would be baby doll make that call. So <laughs> just to kind of... Yeah, I don't know. We thought we thought that was a funny little, a fun okay, little, ending. you know, <laughs> nice. nugget to make it cyclical yeah. because that because everything is like cyclical. And yeah, whatnot. I mean, the nature of the song is about like cyclical. Addi- the nature of the song is about cyclical addictions, and you know, it, so I mean, having it be a full album, a cyclical thing, called the Slacktivist, where we are totally ready that in. We're just trying to say that we need to talk about these things. We are not masters of the subjects we've broached, not in any way. We just need to talk about them. Otherwise, they're going to hinder us. Here are some dynamics. We are aware of these dynamics. Let's present them to everybody. Mm -hmm. We don't have the answers, but let's talk about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are no answers. Mm. There's the truth. We can always try. (laughs) We can always try. This album is a lot of fun to listen to, but talking about it was just like so remarkable like uh, so many people come on this show and come at it from different places with their lyrics and with their intent and all that but I mean this is such a thoughtful project I say that totally honestly and it is an absolute joy to go through every little nuance every little thing it connects with me deeply on many many levels and I'm thankful that you guys spent the time with us here tonight so thank you for sharing it thank you so thank much you. Thank, thank you thank you very much yeah. glad to be on stage yeah it's it's a wonderful Jetta. band and uh, and I just I, I really I loved everything about tonight so thank you and um, and hey guess what in just a moment you're going to play selections from this very album the slacktivist here on stage with Jim and Tom so um, thank you guys so much for joining us and uh, best of luck in everything that comes thank you thank you <laughs> We are about thrifty. Bloody nose 
Sweat stained sheets stuck to my soggy clothes I lost my keys, wallet and phone Good thing a hangover feels like home Yeah, I wish every night could be like this Yeah, thick with blissful ignorance No, I can't stop and I don't care what I missed God, it feels so good to be an escapist To be an escapist quest for truth A carefree good time is my only pursuit When the sun goes down it's my time to shine And if I don't remember well I must have had a good time
photographic lens Giving my best efforts to pretend that sad realities will never break in This frame has no notion how fragile it is How fragile Doesn't slow down when you sleep. Nightmares drown dreams that sink too deep. It's pessimism versus blind belief. Pushing pebbles up a staircase too steep. Up a staircase too steep. Poor man, he can't. 
can't see his perspective is fixed in one photographic lens. One photographic lens. One photographic We always do our duty when confronted with hate. We let everyone know how we feel. It's easier to do than try to educate. Why really do something real? If one dies, it's tragic, but a thousand is statistics. Dispose, repeat 
take my money, sex and drugs What do I want if I give it some thought? Don't you give it a little thought, why not? It might be a little more than the things I've bought yeah, spend all that money, oh, did you pay the power? Sure, I've got cash to keep my powdered face fresh To shove, where were my money, sex, and drugs? What is success? Have I made it yet? Look at me now, Mom. Is this as good as it gets? Still feels like there's too many holes in my safety.
city keeps getting bigger, there ain't no buzz. If we don't make six figures, it's not for us. They made all the poor people buy it, but only the rich can ride it. The poor people buy it, but only the rich can ride it. 